Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling, this time from State Farm Stadium at Arizona, where if you can hear off in the distance, you might be able to hear the cleaning crew cleaning out the bleachers. All the cheers are gone. All the fans are gone after the Minnesota Vikings lost 34-33. to And Ben, what was one of the craziest games I think we've seen in person in some time? Yeah, it had um, – it, it just felt like one of those days that was – I mean, just really from the beginning when Kirk Cousins hits K.J. Osborne for that touchdown in the first drive, it, it felt like it was going to be kind of – maybe it's the law of Gus. I don't know. Gus Johnson <laughs> calling the game. It just kind of tends to go that way. I don't know. But it had that feel early when you – I mean, Dalvin Cook looked like he was on a mission – and when you have Kyler Murray doing the things that he does, both good and bad, it turns into one of those days. It was, yeah, it was definitely one of the wilder games we've seen. But in the end, they're 0-2 with Russell Wilson coming to town next week. That's not a great place to be. Yeah, Mike Zimmer took an optimistic tone after this game, saying we're a couple plays from being 2-0. and It's basically all he can do at this point when he's got a team that's got a lot of veteran leadership on it and is not being able to close out two road games that, yes, they were in position to win, but they did a lot of things to shoot themselves in the foot and, and give away a win like this. Obviously, the top one is missing a 37-yard field goal that, Ben, before we recorded this podcast, you, you told me, I thought he was going to make it because who didn't? Yeah, well, Mike Zimmer thought he was going to make it. And Mike Zimmer has been scarred by a kicker or two, the Star Tribune has learned. So if anybody would have sat there and thought, he's not going to make this kick, it would have been Zimmer. Now, I think last week when he lines up for the 53-yarder, against the Bengals I mean that you you at the time think well he missed a couple long ones in the preseason he's more likely, more likely to miss this I, I think the fact that he made that and made the the one before they iced him really and the one he made last week was a no doubter so I I thought as they lined up as and as Zimmer said you're indoors you're kicking on a grass field had everything the snap was good the hold was good everything was there the only thing I would say may have been an issue on that kick, and we didn't talk to Joseph today because the Vikings didn't make him available, but the pressure that came off the right side of the line almost got to him. So I almost wondered if that affected his approach, and I would have liked to ask him that question if that was an issue as he was leading up into his kick. But, yeah, I I thought he would make it if, if everything went right. I, I When the snap came I actually thought for a second they're going to block this with the pressure they got around the edge so they didn't but maybe that affected him maybe it didn't but in the end result is uh, a sad song that Mike Zimmer has sung a time or two in his time as the Vikings head coach relating to kickers yeah and Joseph obviously missed an extra point in this game in a, what is a one-point loss yep. so you got four points left on the board from your kicker there but there were plenty of other issues that we'll go through here in this this game and kind of what sunk the Vikings. Uh, it certainly wasn't Patrick Peterson and his homecoming. The, the Kyler Murray found plenty of other places to throw the ball, although there was one touchdown there to De- DeAndre Hopkins, the 15-yarder, where Kyler Murray does a full 360 in the pocket, scrambles, gets away. DeAndre Hopkins reroutes, takes his, his in-breaking route to the right, turns left, goes opposite field. 
Patrick Peterson can't keep up with him and the Cardinals do score that way, but that's not how Kyler Murray got many of his 400 yards on the day. It was through Patrick Peter, it was, excuse me, it was through Bashad Breeland. It was through um, Xavier Woods. It was through busted Vikings coverages. It was through a 77 yarder before halftime. They keep giving up big plays right before halftime, Ben. And in this Vikings defense, it's hard for me to figure out what we should make of it because they show the potential. They, you see Daniil Hunter, three sacks. You see Michael Pierce making plays on the run. Um, you see Eric Kendricks, Nick Vigil, pick six. You see a lot of potential there, but they keep having these busted coverages with this. What is a veteran secondary that didn't get to play together at all in the preseason? I don't know, Ben. It kind of seems to me like they might be learning on the fly a little bit. And yeah. how to play yeah. together because we saw that 77 yarder to Rondale Moore before halftime. There was nobody near him. Yeah, he was standing down there almost like he was ready to catch a punt. And I mean, he was, we had a pretty good view of that. In the stadium here, we are kind of in the corner, probably a little more in the corner of the end zone than we are at U.S. Bank Stadium. But really, it's a, it's a pretty nice vantage point to see things almost from the end zone angle the whole day. And that play was, we had our, they were going away from us, but we could see the whole thing develop. And, and it felt like Moore was standing down there looking, you know, waiting to catch a cab. I mean, he was down there <laughs> quite a long time and was quite open by a long time, obviously. And NFL standards, it's a few seconds, but felt like quite a long time. Obviously, busted coverage there. It'll be interesting to go back and watch that one. But I, I, I feel like from my mind's eye on that play, Murray breaks left looks like he's maybe going to take off and run so I wonder if somebody got caught there trying to decide between do I come up and try to make a play if he takes off as a ball carrier or do I stay back and obviously he uh, he can make you pay when he does that that was insane there were so many times Kyler Murray did that and you know you watch it we saw it against the Titans in week one leading into this Vikings game but I think that was the play the 77 yarder where like Stephen Weatherly almost had him I think it yeah. was right around the edge, and, and Murray is able to spin out of the yeah, pocket. Yeah, I think Hunter almost had him, too. I think he had two guys that had him almost dead to rights. It's just insane what this kid's able to do and watching him and, and throw. And, and I think Patrick Peterson had mentioned after the game that we got two of these guys now yeah. back-to-back yep. with Kyler Murray this week, Russell Wilson next week. And so this the issue's not going to go away. They're going to have to find a way to keep these guys in the pocket and find some way just to slow them down. Um, Hunter but, probably could have had like five sacks today. I mean, he had three, but there were a couple other times where I was writing in my, my game chart that I do every week um, that he basically had Kyler Murray dead to rights, and Murray got away somehow. So, I mean, Daniil Hunter was really, really good today, and, and I think that was – you know, it's one of those things where, like you say, it's Murray does things that most people can't and gets away with things that you would be a sack on most quarterbacks. Yeah, so Ben, you wrote the game story. I guess what were the biggest turning points from your vantage point on this? Because it was a good game from Kirk Cousins. I mean, yeah. Kirk Cousins, without Dalvin Cook there at the end, almost gets him the win. Yeah, I mean, six of eight on the last drive. I think threw for, I think it was 56 yards on the last one. And, and you could have argued, should they have tried to get a little closer I don't know. That that's kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. If you've got a 37-yard kick to go win the game, I think you'd most of the time say, "Let's line up where we want it. Let's just go make the kick and not have anything else happen where we false start, for example, or commit a turnover or whatever it would happen to be." I don't have a big issue with that. The, the I mean Cousins really was he talks a lot about playing off schedule, and I don't know if that was more of a focus if <laughs> 
And I'm sure he's not thinking, oh, I've got to match Kyler Murray in that regard. But really, he made some plays that you expect from Murray. It doesn't look the same. It's not going to look the same. But gets a first down on a second and five that I thought was a fairly big play to keep him out of a third down, a scramble up the middle. And then the 29-yard run, which was the longest of his career by 10 yards. And then I think later on that drive, he hits the throw going to his left, finding I think it was Justin Jefferson for a touchdown, made some plays on the run, either as a ball carrier or as a quarterback outside the pocket that I thought were awfully big. Didn't come close to turning the ball over. Uh, he hasn't thrown a pick yet, has he? No, no. No. I Yeah, so he's he's been really I, – I don't know what else you could have asked him to do today, and his protection was good. And this is kind of the classic thing with Cousins is when things are stable around him, he plays awfully well. But I thought he did some things with his feet. I thought um, you know, he made some, some big throws. So you, you couldn't have really asked for much more from him in this type of a game where you had to go score a lot of points. And uh, I think they got what they needed. As far as turning points go, uh, the, the other one that sticks out to me, and we talked about it a little bit before we started, the, the fourth down throw that Murray hits to Christian Kirk. And by that point in the game, that pass rush had started to get through. I think they had had pressures on Murray – I think three straight plays before that and then got to him again after he completed the pass. And that one, he's being pressured as well and just throws it up for grabs. And, and it was a zero blitz. They sent both safeties. So you got Mackenzie Alexander deep in coverage by himself, and that ended up burning them in the end. But that's that's the other one that you look back at. And if they make the stop there, that drive at the end is salting the game away. Yeah, that uh, that play by by Murray on fourth down that you were just talking about that reminded me so much of the play um, in the playoff game, Vikings Seahawks at TCF Bank, where botch snap, Russell Wilson has to run back to like midfield to like chase it down. Yeah. Captain Munnerlin's coming off and is right in his face, and Wilson dodges him and then throws that moonshot over Josh Robinson. To, I don't even remember what the Seahawks receiver was at the time, but I think it was Tyler Lockett, if I Lock, recall. Probably it's always Tyler there, Lockett. Right? It was either him or Doug Baldwin. <laughs> right. it, that far, I don't know. Maybe Lockett was does Lockett. Does Lockett go that far back? Feels like he's been there forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I think Tyler Lockett was catching him when uh, Cortez Kennedy was a Seattle yeah. Seahawk. <laughs> yeah, I might go back that far. It was like Steve Largent and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I, it, it was one of those guys. Maybe it was Doug Baldwin. I don't remember. Yeah, um, but either way, it's just that's one of those moments where you just shrug. Like, what do you do? I, yeah. I asked Mike Zimmer, so is there anything you could have done, uh, call wise as a defensive play caller or or execution wise? And it's just he said, no, we're trying to trying to get a guy in his face. Harrison Smith does breaks right through. He's got his hands up. He's right in Murray's face. Murray's not a tall guy. You think, okay, this is going to be enough, and the kid is able to just put a pinpoint to Christian Kirk. And so yeah, there are some plays that that when you count it up. It was 400 passing yards. It was five plays over 20, 20 yards uh, through the air. A lot of plays that were 17, 18, 19-yard gains for the Cardinals through the air. But some of those are just Kyler Murray being ridiculous. Yeah. And I just there's not a whole lot that you can do at that point. But I wanted to go back to Kirk because I think if you're looking for reasons of optimism out of this game, one, it's the offensive line yep. and how well they did and how well Clint Kubiak's protection plan was to uh, – keep Chandler Jones at bay because yeah. I thought for two and a half quarters we really didn't hear Chandler Jones's name at all no and he got the one on Rashad Hill towards the end of the game but yeah they didn't get much going with him and they were able to run the ball yeah. which Tennessee could not do last week with Derrick Henry yep. I mean Dalvin 
like I said, looked like he was kind of on a mission, but they also opened a lot of holes early. And I thought just had a lot of good run designs where it was a lot of counter stuff where they were kind of able to use the aggression of that front against them a little bit. And it, it was either counter stuff or Cook just in the zone finding cutback lanes, probably some of that as well. But, yeah, they, they had a lot of good run designs, I thought, and he made the most of it. Yeah, he did. And in the offensive line, um, Kirk credited them quite a bit when people, I think you or somebody had asked about just him making plays with his feet. Yes. And Kirk had said, look, a lot of this is the line is giving me actual time to go through my progressions. And so that once I click through all of them, then it kind of clicks for me to take off and run. And in the past, the subtext of that is he doesn't have time to get through his progressions. He's getting sacked or hit right away. And part of that, though, too, is maybe Kirk is, is unspoken part, but Part of it might be Kirk's clock was ticking faster in his head this time around because I think he had mentioned we were very mindful of the Cardinals' pass rush. We yep. understand that yep. these guys are going to be able to get after us. That clock has to tick faster in your head. Maybe the progressions on some of their plays went through faster this time around, knowing they wouldn't have that time to sit back there in the pocket. But to be starting Rashad Hill, Garrett Bradbury, all these guys we talk about on the road in this game against this pass rush to do as well as they did, I thought that was the big positive. The other side of that coin is that you just lost a game that was probably one of Kirk's best games for for a Viking. I yeah. thought he played very yeah. well. I did too. I I was very impressed with a lot of the things he did. And in the spot you were in, like we said, when they had to get plays out of him, he did what you needed him to do. This is an interesting one because I, I said to you kind of at halftime, this was turning into one of those games that Mike Zimmer talks about that he hates that it's this it looked like it was going to be the first one to 50 and he talked about that when that crazy Rams Chiefs Monday night game a few years ago in Mexico or it was supposed to be in Mexico City they ended up moving it but Zimmer talked about I think these are the types of games that are going to run me out of the league or something like that and he it's it's a coach across the sideline it's the young fast-paced offense you know the hot mind from the college game that they brought in. I mean, that stuff, he he despises it. He yeah. despises that yep. that is the trend in that a lot of these coaches are the ones that are now the, 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 the next thing, the hot thing. So it looked like it was going to be the type of game that the thesis of this is the way the league is going, whether you like it or not, was going to prevail. But I think Mike Zimmer can also say, hey – it still matters to have a defense because that pass rush, I thought, changed that game in the second half. I mean, the, the way they were able to get to Murray, I thought, you know, Daniil Hunter gets through. Stephen Weatherly had a couple big moments on the on the Murray interception. Weatherly hits him there. So they affected him in a way that, that changed the game. And obviously Nick Vigil in a in a spot drop makes the, the interception and it gets the pick six. And so – I, both of the competing theses about how you win in the NFL in 2021 kind of came out of this game. But as we talk about Kyler Murray, there is something to be said for having a quarterback that can affect the game in that many different ways. And you may not like it. And I'm sure if they could have a guy like that, they'd say, yeah, we'll take it. But I think it's part of the reason why they drafted Kellen Mond. Yeah, that's probably true, and I, I think they hope to get some of that out of him. And, and but that's that's where we are now. The, all this stuff has migrated up from high school to college, and then college to the NFL, and the rules incentivize all of it. And 
you just have these quarterbacks like Murray and like Russell Wilson, you know, 10 years farther down the road, obviously. So maybe he's not doing quite the same things athletically. But it's those guys. It's the guys we're watching right now as we record this podcast. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. That's where the game is gone. And there were a lot of moments today where if somebody else is back there playing quarterback, they I don't think the Cardinals win this game. They maybe don't have the the mistakes, but we see a lot of quarterbacks make mistakes. We we don't see a lot of quarterbacks able to kind of pull a rabbit out of a hat the way we saw Murray doing quite a few times today. No, no. So so the good signs for the Vikings are they do show the defensive potential again, if not inconsistent and sporadic by giving up some of these busted coverages and big plays, but uh, the offense too showing a lot of a lot of signs for promise and you know reasons why Mike Zimmer can sit there and say, hey, we are close to winning these games, but they are still zero and two. Um, I guess moving forward, the big question for me, one of the big questions out of this game is going to be how much of this can Dalvin Cook take? Yeah, because yeah. you know we we keep talking about this and it's it's going to be a thing throughout the season. But this was week two out of seventeen. And Dalvin Cook on his 22nd touch, from what I counted up, on the Vikings' 47th play, which means he's basically touching it every other play, yeah. gets his ankle sprained when J.J. Uh, Watt lands on him from the, from the side or behind in the fourth quarter. Dalvin tries to gut through it. He comes back out there, takes a couple more handoffs, does not look like the same guy, looks labored in his movements. There was one play there, I think it was the next touch he took, where he tries to cut to his left. There's daylight, and normally Dalvin bounces that outside, finds room, and takes it. Um, but he then trips over himself, and it looks like it's that right ankle that's still bothering him. Um, oh, yeah, because that play, we that was another one we had a great view of it, and yeah. I was sitting there saying to you, I, you know, I said he blew a tire, Yeah, but yeah. he had a big opening on that. And I think that's a big reason why they pulled him from that game. Yeah. I, I don't, I, it wasn't clear to me whether they pulled him or where Dalvin said, I got I to gotta sit out this one. But um, soon after that, we saw Alexander Madison taking every snap. <laughs> at running back, and then all of a sudden it was Kirk, Kirk, Kirk throwing yeah. the ball. And it was they, one third down when they had Tyler Conklin lined up in the backfield as the as oh, the really? running back. Yeah, I missed yeah. that. It was right after Dalvin got hurt. <laughs> well, I don't. he didn't get hurt, but he took a hard hit yeah. and landed, I think, awkwardly on his shoulder, was out for a couple plays. It was a third down, so they basically had Conklin back there in pass protection. So essentially it was a three-receiver set with Conklin as the running back, <laughs> and they had another tight end, I think, in the game as the – the inline tight end. Yeah, but you had mentioned how well Dalvin was running out of the gate. Obviously, he had the 11-yard run on the first touch. He had gains of 14, I think, and 16 yards on the next drive. They didn't have a third down on any of their touchdown drives in the first half. Yep. Like, and a big part of that was Dalvin, and we know how special this guy is. So how are they going to keep him healthy for an entire year? I mean, because they lean on him so much. Yeah, Kirk, they do. Kirk said after the game, he said, you know, I think just that. We lean on him so much. He's a warrior. Like, they understand what this guy goes through, and – you got two shoulders that have a history of being separated. You got all the other injuries that can happen to a running back. I'm very curious to see how they manage this guy going forward because we keep asking the question, Ben, and the answer keeps being the same, which is, well, we're not really going to manage it. We're just going to keep giving him the ball. Well, and I think we've talked about it a little bit, but and it's it's cold to say it, but that probably is the right approach for a running back in terms of an asset management to be just very cold about this. Um, I'm not saying it should be that way, but that's, you know, this is the NFL. This is how it gets done. Running backs, do you do not need to try to keep running backs in pristine condition until they're 28, 29 years old. If they make it that far, great. But 
you should, if you're going to pay a running back, get everything you can out of them while they are young and healthy. So over the long term, I think that probably is the best way to use the asset. The only problem is when you're in a position where the only way you can win is using him that much. I mean, it's a little bit like, this is, I'm mixing sports metaphors here, but when when I'm coaching my runners, my distance runners, as a cross-country coach, you get the the quickest way to get yourself in trouble is to get too fired up and get out too fast in a race because you basically are going to set yourself up for this long, slow, painful death when you just can't aerobically sustain it late in a race. So it's a little bit of a metaphor, obviously, because Dalvin Cook doesn't have to do all of this continuously, but the load does build up through the course of the season. And if you don't have a way to take any of that off of him, where it's let's have a week where you get 12 touches and Alexander Madison is able to take the load because you're up comfortably or maybe it's a game where you're behind. But he, we saw it last year and we continue to see it that they can't win unless he is that big of a focal point. So you probably don't worry about him when he's 27, 28 years old, but if you're just trying to get through this season when it's 17 games now and you got 15 more even before you could potentially put him in a playoff game, that's a long time to maintain that pace. Yeah, and I guess my counter to that would be you talk about it's good for the long-term view, and I totally see what you're saying, getting the most out of your money, but if you say the long-term view is just a 17-game season... Then it's a problem, yes. Then you're concerned about December, January, the playoffs, if they get into that. Yep. How, you know, we've seen that in 2019, where the guy has to set out a pivotal game in Green Bay at home against Green Bay, where you could win the division. Yes. Wasn't, wasn't that when they lost that game? Yeah, and I think they were in... There was something with a tiebreaker that year where it still would have been they would have if they had won that and the Packers had lost to the Lions the next week they would have won the division and the Packers darn near did lose that game to the Lions that was the one I think the Packers had to pull out in the last uh, right. yep. last couple of minutes to to seal it and win the uh, win the but I think they could have clinched a playoff goodbye. spot then they had to rely on some help or something either way like that was a pivotal game like you needed to win it at home Dalvin yep. couldn't play. And they had Alexander – or no, I think Madison was out too. They had Mike Boone starting that game, yes, if I remember I correctly. Right. Um, so either way, it's just one of those things where we're going to keep going back to this and the Vikings are going to keep going back to the well of feeding Dalvin, which is great now when he's healthy. But then now you see something like this, and then you go into a – this is not going to get any easier. you got Seattle, Cleveland – Maybe Detroit is one of those games where you can say, hey, Alexander, step up and be that guy for us in this game. But um, there is such a big drop-off between a healthy Dalvin Cook and not just Alexander Madison, but anybody. Yeah. Really anybody yeah. outside of your Alvin Kamara's and your Derrick Henry's. There aren't many like him. No. So, anyway, we'll, we'll keep talking about it. We'll keep wondering. We'll keep asking the questions of the Vikings decision-makers of what they're going to do. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys more this week as we preview the Vikings' first home game of the 2021 season. Fans will be back at U.S. Bank Stadium when Russell Wilson, yes, Seattle's Russell Wilson, actually comes to Minnesota this time. For to, the first time to face the since Vikings. Blair Walsh. <laughs> thanks uh, thanks for, to you guys for listening, and please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.